What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on RG1 Mike, we're going to talk about is there a double standard in Houston? Houston, we're calling. This thing right here is for my people's Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something And then at that particular time I lost it <laughs> Devon Drup Yes, yes, yes Today Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq And you can do that you know, People talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff Lock, Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to One Mic on the Real Sports Guys platform uh, where, you know, uh, real guys talk real sports. And tonight on One Mic, we're going to talk about two uh, events and two unfortunate kinds of activities that are coming out of the city of Houston when we've had probably one of the most exciting um uh, World Series that we've had in a long time, and, and you know, if you haven't had a chance to uh, check out our recent podcast we dropped uh, inside the park that Hank does, uh, you know, where he's talking about this World Series. I think as we were dropping it, uh, uh, we had probably the most uh, crazy and exciting World Series game of all con- all time, and uh, we'll get that reaction from uh, obviously my partner uh, Hank, and uh, we could do it. Um, and also at a time when we probably had one of the most exciting football games of the season between the Seattle Seahawks uh, and uh, the uh, 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 Houston Texans, um, of which uh, the game was preceded with all of the Texas, the Texas uh, players, a majority of them, kneeling in reaction to uh, their owner, uh, uh, Bob McNair, who said some unfortunate remarks uh, at the owner's meeting that, uh, again, sparking this tension between the players. And, and we're going to get into it, but there was, you know, something was also said during this World Series that uh, we'll get into that didn't receive the same reaction. And uh, uh, Hank and I will talk and get to that a little bit more. Hank will help us set the table. Uh, but as you know, uh, before we get into it, 
Uh, I do want to let you know that uh, all, all our callers and all the hosts are brought to you by our good friends at Carbonwell Health. Health, um, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonwellHealth.com and connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the Real Sports Guys sent you. And if you want to really connect with us on Real Sports Guys, make sure that uh, you uh, go to realsportsguys.com or uh, catch us on iTunes. You can search Real Sports Guys. Uh, listen, please uh, give us a review. Get, hope we love those fives. Uh, it helps us to push out and connect with more people. You know, we basically are connecting with, uh, with listeners one person at a time. Uh, but you can also reach us on all platforms, uh, Real Sports Guys, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, um, and uh, you can uh, uh, connect with us that way as well. Um, we love when folks are connecting. Uh, we got a lot of buzz going on uh, on uh, uh, Real Sports Guys, especially when we put that stuff out after Ohio State and uh, Oklahoma game. I mean, we still got a group of folks out there still talking about that. So a lot of stuff going on. But before I get into it, I got to get my co-host here for one mic um, uh, to come on. Hank, how you doing, man? Um, uh, how you doing? How you feeling uh, today? I got to tell you something. I would be remiss if I didn't start this show off right. Now, I know we got a lot to talk about. We know Houston, we got a problem, but it's almost Halloween, folks. And so we want to get y'all into the mood. We're going to have us a very spooky night tonight. And we're going to have us another good night here on One Mic. So how about that? <laughs> Put that trick or treat. Get your, get your stuff out there. My life will be off because... You know, I'm just trying to be off on that, but enjoy. Uh, they had the, uh, whatever the, the 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 big weekend in Madison, and so uh, I know my daughter is too young for us to participate in that. And whatever you do, be safe out there. But yes, and uh, it, it's gotten really scary up there in Washington D.C. Uh, today. Some people real scared. Uh, the boogeyman came out and dropped some indictments on folks. So uh, it's getting scary all over the place. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm ready to roll. But uh, you dropped, you dropped, a, you dropped a, a great uh, uh, one mic. Uh, I mean, uh, in, uh, inside the park as well this week. Um, and so uh, I definitely, man, I had a chance to listen to it. Uh, you hitting them with, the, hitting them straight in the head with the fire, man. And I appreciate that as well. You, you've been busy. Uh, on these RG uh, airways, so I appreciate that, brother. All the time you putting into that, and we'll, 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 I know we'll, we'll we'll let you you tap that again uh, and, and 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 promote again when we get into um, our, our main topic uh, uh, of the day. But you know, they just came out with the uh, the top four um, uh, for the college football. We like to check in uh, a, a, a little bit uh, with that. Um, and uh, uh, we uh, we got two Big Ten teams. Uh, looks like in the top four, we in Ohio State. I don't know if Ohio State got papers on people, but they got more <laughs> spots than anybody I ever know. I mean, Penn State dropped like a a, a rock 
They play on the road. They drop like a rock. You know, Michigan is like in a witness protection program. Well, Ohio State, boy, they lose at home to Oklahoma, and they just let them hung. And as soon as they got a chance, well, they jumped them right to three. And uh, Wisconsin, who's been undefeated all year long, gets no respect. They get number four, but my goodness, Ohio State. The voters love from Ohio State. I need to coach, talk to Coach Alvarez. What's going on around here? Who's doing the voting? Who got pictures on people? Because the Buckeye fans, my goodness. But what do you think about uh, how it shook out? Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, 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 take a take a look uh, at, at the the, uh, the, uh, the the rankings yet. But you know what 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 do you? You think about what you saw. We got Alabama at number one, Georgia at number two, Ohio State three, Wisconsin four, Notre Dame is sitting at five. Notre Dame jumped four spots. Uh, Clemson jumped one spot. They're at six. Uh, Penn State dropped five spots. Oklahoma's up two at eight. We got Miami at nine. They're down one. Undefeated Miami drops to <laughs> drops one spot. Uh, which right. tells you all you need to know. Miami dropped it. You know, nobody's got respect for Miami. They're just sitting there. That Virginia Tech game is going to be huge. Uh, and then you got v, you got TCU who dropped six spots sitting at number 10. Uh, Oklahoma State sitting just outside uh, uh, at, at 11. Washington at 7-1 at 12. You got Virginia Tech. And then at 14, you got, you got Iowa State. You know, th- those Cyclones. My advisor, you know, Dr. Jackson, alum, they honored him at homecoming weekend, and they gave him a homecoming prize uh, 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 while he was there. The Cyclones are sneaking in there, doing their thing. They're sitting there at 6-2, and two, at 14, just humming along. So a lot's going on in there, but, you know, we got two Big Ten teams sitting there, two SEC teams sitting there, um, and this could run the table because these are two teams who could end up in the championship games of their respective conferences with Notre Dame with a very tough schedule sitting on the outside and Clemson still lurking uh, with Penn State still sitting kind of there, but they're going to need some help uh, as well. So you look at that, uh, uh, that, that kind of uh, uh, what's going on right there, uh, 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 right there. And then we're going to have, we're going to have folks coming out on Tuesday, right? Tuesday, I think uh, they come right. out with the first right, official ranking. So um, do you think they're going to mirror this? Do you think uh, they'll have Ohio State at number three? Do you think they'll be in that top group? Uh, uh, what do you think that's going to look like, or what do you think it should look like? Well, let me tell you something. See, first of all, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know, you know, who whose wife uh, Ohio State has with who, because it just seems like it doesn't matter what goes on with this team. They never fall out of the top ten and they're always at that lurking point. I don't know if that's an Urban Meyer thing because he came from the SEC or what that is, but it's just funny to me that any other Big Ten team takes an L and they are, they are you know, exiled from the rest of the season. But, but here's Ohio State, and you're absolutely right. The Penn State game, uh, the question you have to ask yourself if you watch the game, which was a very, very exciting football game to watch, but if you watch that game, you have to ask yourself, even though J.T. Barrett had a, a phenomenal fourth quarter, I saw a little bit of uh, cheek puckering from Penn State if you, if you watch that game. 
all of a sudden they, they lost their aggression. All of a sudden uh, things wasn't working out for them. They weren't trying to go down the field with the ball. They became ultra-aggressive. I mean, ultra-conservative. And it cost them the ball game. And, it, and, it, and, and they didn't play well with the lead. And I think the voters watching that game will say, even though J.T. Barrett was phenomenal, it looked a lot like uh, Penn State choked. And given the, the way the, Penn, the Big Ten is set up, I don't think that they give any other team in the, in the East any credence to try to challenge Ohio State down the stretch, okay? They don't, they don't anticipate Michigan State pulling off any upset, nor Michigan, uh, because they don't have any offense. So they're pretty much walking Ohio State into the Big Ten championship. As for Wisconsin and where they're ranked, okay, Wisconsin does not have their signature victory on their schedule. Okay, so it's they so they're just kind of cruising through the Big Ten West, and so that's that's just that's going to be your 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 Big Ten championship game as as far as the voters are concerned. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Ohio State got the more impressive victory over number two ranked Penn State at the time, and Penn State right now is on the outside looking in. So from the Big Ten perspective, that shows that when you look at the other teams that are ranked in the top four. You look at Alabama, you look at Georgia. Well, there's your there there it is. There's your preview of the SEC championship game. Okay? So right now you've got those two teams. You figure that if they both run the table, they both will pretty much still have a chance to make the playoffs, depending upon how how competitive that game is going to be. Now you look at the other team, the dark horse of this whole thing, D, though, is Notre Dame. Okay, it's that Notre Dame team. We talked about it a little bit last week. They've got a tough schedule, but if you've watched Notre Dame play this year, very physical team, okay? They put a whooping on NC State this week, okay? And Miami, while they're undefeated, have not really looked that dominant to anybody. They're winning ball games, true enough, but they're not looking like a dominant Miami team. It's been a great season for them so far. But, you know, Miami still, if I'm not mistaken, they still have to play uh, Clemson. Don't they play Clemson this year? Yeah, uh, Miami uh, has to play Notre Dame, which is on the 11th. I mean, right. We talked about that uh, yeah, we, before, which is a, which is the big game. Um, they have VTech coming up on the 4th. That's a big one coming up here on the weekend. Um, and then they have uh, Pitt. They're at Pitt, and they play against Virginia. Okay, so they so they're on the, so they're they're on the other side of that. They're on the, they're on the other side of that, of that division. So they so they so they yep. they they skate uh, Clemson this year, but they still got Notre Dame. And I'm telling you, that's going to be a very physical game on the Notre Dame side. Okay, I I'm, I I for one think the Notre Dame can run the table. I I look at that game in which they play Georgia up in South Bend a little bit differently now because Georgia is who they show they are. Okay, very physical team. Uh look like they're just going to walk through the uh, the, the SCC um uh, east, I believe. And so, when you look at that, um you're saying, "Okay, uh now I see what we got in in the SCC." Okay? Um but but when you look at the Big 12, then nobody plays defense on there. Okay? The only team that we thought to play defense was TCU. Okay, and and quite frankly, they should have beat Iowa State. They just played an abysmal game on the offensive side, turning the ball over and just not protecting the football very well. And then you talk about Iowa State, which would be a story, considering that they have beaten now two top ten teams 
uh, this year when they beat Oklahoma and they beat TCU. But their losses are so ugly. You lose to a Texas team. You lose to an Iowa team. You know, it's like you, you lose to the ugliest girls in the dance, okay? You pick you pick off the pretty ones, but, oh, my goodness, the ones you got caught with. You know, this is, so this is this is Iowa State's <laughs> resume this year. So you so it's like it's like okay, those those are those are pretty, but oh, those losses, and so uh, and both of them were at home. See, so this is the thing about that team; they Jekyll and Hyde for real on a Halloween Eve. So 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 while they look good, their team probably don't nobody want to play because they don't know where they're coming from. But when we look at that, yeah, I, I do see right now just based on the body of work. I don't see any uh, significant changes in the top four. Alabama is just another pro team right now, in my opinion, the way they've been playing. Uh, and you, then you got Georgia, Ohio State, okay, um, and, and that looks good. Uh, so, so yeah, I, that, that, those teams I do see. Wisconsin uh, a little bit, but uh, we're going to see. We got a lot. We still got a lot to to, to uh, football to play. It's going to start really getting crazy. And listen. Clemson with that ugly loss up in Syracuse, don't 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 uh, scratch that team off. I will say this: I think that uh, the pack the, the Pac-12 will more than likely be shut out this year, especially uh, if Washington cannot run the table. They're the only team out there with one loss, uh, and then you've got this little sneaky team out there in Arizona. There's there's got that nobody watches unless you watch Pac-12 after dark. Uh, Arizona is a very exciting football team to watch. Uh, you, if you haven't had a chance to watch them, D, I suggest you stay up and watch them on Saturday night. They, I watched a little bit of this game last week between them and Washington State. They've got some talent. They're, 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 their quarterback is something, something to see. So, I mean, when I look at my top five, and people will be surprised at this, I, I would put Georgia at number one, Alabama at number two, Wisconsin at three, Notre Dame at four, Ohio State at five, Clemson at six. And the reason why, if you look at between Georgia and Alabama, and I'm looking at you for this year, Alabama has been dominant because they played no one. And Georgia went on the road uh, and and handled a team that we now find out is a pretty good physical Notre Dame team. Like, if you think about it, they they, they, they beat them uh, – you know, in a what I would say uh, was was probably the most competitive matchup between two top teams at that time. We didn't we didn't know that, but they went to Notre Dame and won twenty nineteen in South Bend, a team that is racking up, beating up, you know, beating just blew out USC, uh, beating a, a, a pretty good team. And when you look at Alabama, I mean Alabama, you know, is impressive because of Alabama, but they really, uh, you know, they 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 whoop. Florida State, Florida State, not looking really good, right? Um, but where are they victories? Uh, Vanderbilt, fifty-nine nothing. You know, Texas A&M is decent. Arkansas, not really good, forty-one nine. They beat Tennessee, forty-five seven. They got to play LSU. LSU isn't the LSU we know. I mean, that you know what I'm saying? They got to play Mississippi State. Might be a game that, it, but. That's you know in Scottsdale. That's that's there. That's in Scott Vegas. That could be uh, one the the market calendar on. So you know they got the Iron Bowl coming. 
right? Um, and, and, and maybe that's a competitive game. But at this point, if I bring out the rankings, I, I got to give it to Georgia right now as the number one team in the country. Alabama number two, maybe one and one A. Wisconsin, you know, you know, if you're doing a reputation, they've been a consistent program over the past 10, 15 years, getting after it, undefeated right now. They had the gauntlet last year. <laughs> Nobody gave them credit for. So this year, uh, they still have to, they still have solid victories. They what they they went into Iowa City, where a lot of people go. It's like to me, Iowa City is like the Bermuda Triangle. You know, a lot of good teams go there, and they don't come home with the victory, right? Uh, and and uh, uh, they, you know, uh, uh, before um, they still well, they still got to Iowa. They went in Nebraska actually, and they won thirty-eight seventeen. Um, they they uh, they began the BYU swirl. They went in there, beat them forty-six, um, and so they got some. They got Michigan coming up here. They got I guess Iowa coming up. They got. Uh, uh, a tough one. So I think Wisconsin earned enough of, of time over their program to be at least at number three. Um, and then uh, Ohio State, if you want to put them there, but I got ND. I got ND. I think ND's earned being in that fourth spot. Just like you said, their losses to will be number one or number two team in the country uh, by one point um, is how big. Um, and then they basically been running the table. So. That's kind of how I put it. I, you know, I think there's still a lot of football to be played. I think Miami is interesting because they're undefeated, and they still got Notre Dame on the schedule, and they still got Virginia Tech on the schedule. If they beat them, you might the U might be back. It's ugly, but it's kind of how the U starts their run. When they first start their runs, it's usually that ugly year run, is it? It's like a, it's like an ugly year run they start. You know, you can you can sit there waking up. Um, and they got Virginia Tech this week. Then they played Notre Dame, so they beat Virginia Tech this week. And they both they got both these games at home. They beat Virginia Tech this week, and they, if they come back and then beat Notre Dame the next week, and close out against you know Virginia and Pitt, just kind of close out at Pitt. They got to stay strong, um, and then uh, go from there. Uh, and then I think they got the ACC championship. They win that. We'll say that's what, against Clemson or somebody. Um, Miami could be the hottest team coming in, gaining strength. Could be a dangerous team coming down the stretch. That's 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 you you, you make a valid point there. The next two weeks for them is going to really tell a story. But I have to take you to task a little bit on your rankings because you just stated that Alabama didn't play nobody, okay? And the teams that they played, they pretty much handled, okay? So given that logic, you said that. You feel like Georgia's the number one team in the, in the nation because based upon their body of work. But then you turn around and you say that uh, you got a little badger bias there. I'm going to give you that one. Because you said that uh, Wisconsin uh, also now, their body of work. But now, truly, they haven't played a soul. You 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 mentioned BYU, which was winless when they played them. Okay. And there's been some games now that Wisconsin has won against non-conference opponents where they struggled in that first half and then taking teams uh, out late. Now, they have their running game, and that running back they have is the truth. That, that brother is, is the truth. He, he's bad. Okay, I'm not taking nothing away from him, nor am I taking nothing away from him. And an elite defense. Huh? Yeah, defense. How can you condemn Alabama, okay, for dominating teams, 
But Wisconsin, who doesn't dominate teams until late, you want you can move them up and move Bama down. No, I just moved Bama down one spot because I think between Alabama and Georgia, which I think are really close teams, the difference to me with put Georgia at number one is that they beat Notre Dame on the road in South Bend. That's the difference between those two teams. I think there's a separation between Alabama and Georgia. Don't get me wrong. There's a separation between Alabama and Georgia are clearly, to me, the top two, clearly the top two teams in the country. Like, there's not, to me, even the debate. But I think mm-hmm. Georgia gets the number one nine for me is because they one of their games is a win at in South Bend against Notre Dame. Does, right. does Alabama have any win like that on their record? Well, that's not Alabama's fault. I mean, either they thought they was going to play. But I'm saying it's the reality of the day. I'm not saying it's their fault. Schedule's the yeah. schedule. I mean, they can't help that LSU is not LSU. I'm not blaming Alabama right. for that. But if you're going to talk about the one and two teams in the country, you can't just annoy it. Let's not treat Alabama like we treat Ohio State. I think between Alabama and Ohio State, we give them more excuses than any program in the country. We give more excuses than any two programs in the country than Alabama well, we, uh, or well, Ohio we get we we definitely give more excuses to Ohio State because Ohio State stays in the top five with a loss. At least to Alabama's credit, you know they've usually spanked everybody by the time you know uh, we start giving them excuses about their schedule and everything. But with Ohio State, you know you you have we have seen seasons where they have not looked good, okay, and played some really subpar uh, opponents, and they're still hanging around. You know, so that's the thing about them. So, uh, but with Alabama, at least the proof is in the putting with that team, and and they have dominated pretty much the 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 the, the SEC. You know, just just run away with it. And again, for this year, when you look at just the just the the the, the point differential between them and their opponents, there's not a game that's been close. The closest game was the first one against Florida State. Everybody else, they have just put a foot, you know where. And so they just looked apart this year. And you're right about Georgia, okay? Georgia is just a t- they're intriguing because they are a physical team. Uh, Kirby Smart got those guys playing that Bama type of ball. So it's going to be fun to watch them two play, and I hope that they do our, do run the table for that SEC championship. And, and you remember that, you know, they, 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 they're trying to make Kirby kind of mad when they started getting them about their recruitment, recruiting all these people at Alabama was, Having problems with them, so you know some of that. That there's a little bit of stress in there, and Kirby trying to let them know we're not the same old Georgia coming up in that. If, if we go to SEC championship, but I would say if we're talking about what you've done to this point, and if the committee is the, the committee we think they are, then you can't come out of there if you're really looking at record for record between those two teams, and that's the only discussion about number one is between those two teams. Right. If you if you if you doing that. In the most signature win out of those two teams right now is Georgia's win over Notre Dame. That's, that, that is correct. Okay. That will give you. Yep. And then you got to give Georgia the nod. Now, the Crimson Tide fans will get mad at me, but look, over the past 10 years, whatever, there will rarely be that scenario, <laughs> right? Because if you look at any of those other teams that Alabama's beaten up until this point, in normal years, those would have been great victories. But right. when you look at a very few of those teams are even in the top 25 right now. Right. And that is so right. When you, so when you, look at, when you look at Georgia's victories, they got some teams there. And so I would say 
at this point, I put Georgia number one, Alabama number two. Uh, I, I put Wisconsin number three because when you look at where they were at the time of these losses, the natural progression is up. Just I'm, having a hard, I would, I, I'm having a hard time if you if you're going to put if, if you're putting Wisconsin number three based upon record being undefeated and and where they are. I, I can buy that. I guess I, I guess I can buy that reluctantly. I can if, buy if that. We've done that with teams in the past. Just, we're not, we're, we're not using rules in Wisconsin. Huh? We've done that in the past. With, we did that with the past with a lot of SEC teams. We've done that in the past with Clemson. Like when the ACC is still, for the most part, big garbage. We've done that with Clemson. Just kind of move them up. Here's what Wisconsin is going to have to do, okay? See, Wisconsin, if, I, I can tell you, the narrative on Wisconsin is, yeah, they're, they're doing great, but the, but the Big Ten West is ugly, okay? It's raggedy, all right? And they're just the best of a bad bunch, and they're going to get exposed. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm telling you this is what the national narrative is with this team, that they're going to get exposed in the Big Ten championship game. My feeling is this, though. If you watch Wisconsin play, Okay, their defense is sound and solid, okay? It is sound, it is solid, and they have a solid running game. And where it is going to be, and and oddly enough, the proof is going to be in the pudding when they play Michigan. Michigan is going to be the only team really in the East that they play at home uh, before the Big Ten Championship that, you know, we're going to see how good they are. And it would behoove Wisconsin, you know, in Madison, I hate saying this, but this is the truth, for them to get national attention as being a solid and a legitimate uh, contender and a playoff contender, they have to they have to whoop Michigan. They have to spank the Wolverines because that's going to be the one game, even though this may be considered a down year for Michigan now, that's going to be the game where against that defense that they're going to have to really – Really, uh, show because this is this is the thing about Wisconsin. They're they've been a nice. We talked about this last time. They they've been a nice story. They're a dark horse, but for all the good that the Wisconsin did for themselves last year with that gauntlet of a season, okay, they lost a big lead in the Big Ten championship game to Penn State, and now Penn State was the story, okay. And always, uh, Ohio State's going to be the Alabama of the Big Ten. All right, with everybody else chasing them. That's why they keep them around. Okay, so Wisconsin right now, so that their number three, number four ranking they get is not window dressing. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to put a signature win, a signature stamp on a known opponent. You cannot say that about an Iowa. You cannot say that about a Nebraska. You cannot say that about a Northwestern. Okay, those are just other teams in the Big Ten West. So they're going to have to do something to, to, to really change that narrative. Otherwise, they could be, you know, going into the Big Ten championship game undefeated and, and ranked number five, ranked number six, which is going to make it very difficult for them yeah, to make it. They did that gauntlet with basically a freshman quarterback. Now he's a sophomore. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jim Leonard's name is going to ring out. If you have not seen his, the videos of how he coached, 
And when you if, if people but people put the Texas defensive back corner guys they got. And I'm gonna tell you right now, uh Quintez, uh the receiver, check some videos out on him on some of the dunks he's doing. People gonna see that the receiver, the athlete that he is, he's gonna have a coming out party coming down here. With the stuff he's doing right now catching that football. I I think you're right. And I, I would say this. And you and I are going to be in Madison that weekend, on the 18th, that weekend. we all going to be around. We're going to be there in witness. You, you come back, we will. you will hear from me. And you got to understand, I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and, 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 and now I'm over there working at the university over there in, 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 the, in the Badger neighborhood. It's going to be quite an emotional weekend for me. Uh, but I, I'm getting, I, it's getting a little crazy. When I saw this ranking of Ohio State, I got this. Is, there's a hinge in there. I'm, 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 I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to see one of the starting linebackers this week. We took, he's a fifth year senior taking a master class. I'm going to ask him how he feel about how they disrespected them. You know, I'm going. I'm going to see that. that, that, that I can see it in there. They just are matter of fact. Folks going to keep disrespecting this group, and this is the most business like group I've seen in a long time. Walking here, uh, and I, I just, to me. The way that people cater to Ohio State and the way that they put like that and the disrespect they show in this squad right here, just with this, the way they came out with these rankings this week, it, it, I know they saw that, and they ain't going to say nothing. They're going to be very businesslike. And uh, and uh, for the rest of the season, all going to do is fuel their fire. But people going to underestimate this group. I'm going to tell you right now. You heard it from me. And last year they could say what they said to them about the end of the year. They played with basically a freshman quarterback who is now doing everything he's supposed to do, unlike what I said. And I said the same thing about him that I said about Space. And he's delivered. Michigan quarterbacks have struggled. <laughs> and this kid continues to deliver. And so in, that run, in, the, in, in their running game, the way, the way they're running, they got at least two backs. But they got one that's hit them in the head. So I think when it comes down to it, and folks try to get their head together with this one. You know, when I see, I mean, I, and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm reacting to it is just because I just don't understand what people see in the And I've been saying this for years. I was not surprised that the Buckeyes got run out by Clemson. I could have told you that. And, and, yeah. and you know I said that. I said, I said they are one-dimensional. They offensively, and they still running the same Houdini trick, the same catch touching the football. I thought, and again, he's he spreading out a little bit more. He's going downfield a little bit more now. But when it gets tight, Urban goes to that same old game, same old offense. And they, they, the, the difference when they came to Camp Randall was the fact that uh, the uh, Badgers were playing with a freshman quarterback. He just couldn't make that play, but he's going to make him as a sophomore. And so I think that's the piece that's going to be a little bit different uh, in, in this one. So that's the only reason I'm reacting is that when I saw that ranking, you know, I was like, oh, wow, they just disrespecting this group all together. Uh, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see that come down, down the stretch. But head and shoulders away, to me, is Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> and Notre Dame's coming close, you know. Yeah. Um, and the only reason – uh, and I would I would be surprised to say the truth. I wouldn't be surprised to see Georgia or Alabama, Georgia, uh, Notre Dame, and then Wisconsin top four type thing. And Notre Dame being that three, I wouldn't be surprised to see any of that. You know, 
um, the committee giving Notre Dame a lot of respect, given that close loss that they that they had to, to Georgia. So uh, I, I definitely uh, 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 loved uh, 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 this conversation. You know, we always got to check in, man. We always got to check in on this stuff uh, uh, to, to keep the juices flowing. Because, <laughs> you know, this is our, this is our, our, our weekly college football check-in. You can tell we're getting up. But I want to say, we're going to ask a question about stealth. Kind of your stealth team, like if there are three stealth teams or we're going to have a stealth team of the week that we want to be like this. this, this and we're calling it stealth. It's, it's a team that's kind of lurking that's going to look to crash the party. You know, you know they're, they're the kind of team that's going to look to, to, to crash the party. I, I want to, to kind of hear – like, who do you think could possibly late in the year crash the party? Uh, that that's a great question. That's a great question. And you know me, I'm a geek. I'm I'm watching this stuff all the time. The one team no one's talking about that could really make this thing interesting. And I'm gonna say it again: is TCU, Texas Christian University. I don't know what happened to them in Ames, Iowa. Okay, it was an ugly game, but of all the teams in the in the in the Big Twelve, D, this is the only one that plays defense. All right, they're the only ones that play yep. defense. They're the only ones I think that can really uh, put a stop to Oklahoma, and they still have to play Oklahoma. So I'm looking at this game as what happened this week as a possible trap game. You got Bedlam coming up this week. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, one of them are going to get knocked out. Okay, TCU's already beaten Oklahoma State. That's going to leave Oklahoma. And I just believe that when you start talking about crashing the party and you talk about those one-loss teams, okay, here's one, a team that would have beaten Oklahoma State who was in the top ten. They would have beaten Oklahoma, let's say if they beat Oklahoma, okay, who's in the top ten, okay, and they would have lost to a team that has beaten two top ten teams. That's a heck of a resume, all right? And that's going to be hard when you're a committee. You say, okay, let me look at this team's body of work and compare it to these other teams' body of work, all right? And there, there's one that no one's talked about, all right, because of that ugly loss against, against Iowa State, but that could also end up being a blessing for them. And it's a team that is not Notre Dame, that is not Penn State, that it's like, okay, what are we going to do? And you got to pick somebody out of the, of the Big 12 because the Pac-12, again, as I state, I think they're just going to cannibalize themselves, and there's just not going to be anybody who's going to be playoff worthy. And so that team right there is going to give the committee fits because you got to put them somewhere, and they could potentially be a conference champion, all right? And so it's like, so now what do I do? And then what do I do with Notre Dame? You know, what do I do with Notre Dame? And You know, so that that's going to be enough between them and Notre Dame to give the committee fit. They're going to, they're going to be praying for somebody to have a bad loss down the stretch. There, there we go. So my team, and I've already talked about them, um, is led by who I call the Clayton Kershaw of college coaching. And we just talked about his former team, Mark Witt. Nobody has as winning a record as him and not had a national championship. When he was at Georgia, he was constantly, you know, two wins or two losses and this there with great teams. But now he's home. 
I'm coming home. I'm coming home. He was like a kid coming back to Miami, and he's lurking, and they're undefeated. And, yes, it's been ugly, but if you know about the story to you, the first year they win the national championship is always ugly. You know, when they beat uh, uh, Nebraska, uh, when, uh, when Nebraska tried to go for that uh, 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 for two and they, they defended it and won the, their, their first national championship, it was ugly. And then from there, they, they started, their chest was out. They was like, I play with my chest. And then they just got that U back. I knew it when they had, when they had the chain on the sideline when the cat got the touchdown uh, and, and they went over and he got, got the chain for the turnover that he put that U back in the U, and they undefeated with a game against Virginia Tech this week, and then they got another one against Notre Dame. And I think they go they go 2-0 and over these next two weekends, they vault themselves up, and they crash the party. And then everything you know, they got Michael Irvin on the sidelines. They got all the old Kane players on the sidelines. I know my boys uh, over in Milwaukee, my boys teaching from Southland High School, they, I know they love that. I'm talking about Miami, except for my guy Dave from Miami who loves Notre Dame. I mean, who likes Nebraska. I don't know what how that happened. Uh, but all my cats, they, 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 when I was in college, I, I played with some cats from Miami. You know, they all covered me. I remember that game when Miami came back against Michigan. Michigan was stopping them. I got off the bus and Michigan had lost the game. It was one of the toughest days of my life. But I got a feeling that you is there. I got a feeling there's another 30 for 30 coming. I got a feeling that something's going on. I got a feeling they're going to crash the party. The you will crash the party. I had to drop it on that one. I know you like that one, uh, uh, Big Hank. You know what? I can't I can't argue that. But, but here's the thing. Uh, I don't think they're going to beat Notre Dame, okay? And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the coach's son over there at Virginia Tech going to have something to say, too, okay? Because Mr. Jackson been playing his tail off this year, all right? I and know. That's going to, and that's going to be, to date, the most uh, challenging game that they have, okay? Yeah. Uh, he's getting better every week, okay? He is, he, is, he is really a story nobody's talking about. And he's been playing out of his mind at Vitek, but – with that being said, that's a tall order for Miami to take on both of those teams. Both of those teams are very good. They're, they're different dynamics, okay, where, where Vitek is a little bit more spread out with Jackson. And then uh, Notre Dame is just is just a, uh, uh, a prototype Midwestern team. They are very – I ain't seen Notre Dame play this physical of football in years, man. I mean, yep. they mash at people. And so the thing about it is, again – I take nothing away from it, and I hear what you're saying. But, you know, it, it pains me. You got to know from where I sit, it pains me to tell you that Notre Dame is that team that people ain't paying attention to. They they, they look like Notre Dame of old. That might yeah, be – I'll tell you, yeah, tell you what that game is going to be. It's going to be another one of those Christian versus the convicts game when they play Miami in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and both of the teams are going to be as they do to play it down. But you know how much he does some things. Remember he, just, uh, he did that stuff in the end zone? He allows his team to have that personality. So it's going to be on. This is going to uh, fuel up the rivalry because somebody's going to be disappointed. And I think the reason why I think they can beat Notre Dame is because of that Virginia Tech, because they got to play against Jackson. That's going to be such a biter. They 
got to they got to go all out to win that game, and I think it's going to create a toughness and a confidence. I think that allowed them to then turn their attention to Notre Dame. I think if they do run the table, it's because Virginia Tech is going to give them all they handle, and and a team like this will grow. I think I think for him to get Miami back, it's winning these kind of games. It's going to be ugly. It's not going. The talent is going to show the way it can show in the future. They're not going to get to that point where Alabama is, that dominating stature that they could have. But I think it's winning these kind of games that can get them to that point. I think you, you're right. I think Notre Dame is more mentally tough uh, than I think they've been. I think they've been good, but I don't think they've been the kind of mental toughness that you expect them to have with that program. I think in the big games, they've, they, they struck their shoulders and not met the challenge. And I think they, 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 frankly, I think they got tired of it. I think they built some. I think this is just a tougher team, and you saw it against Georgia. They just they played them, told them, and battled them to let them know, you know, we physically ready. And I think they got a lot of confidence from the, the way that they played against Georgia that allowed them to be tough the rest of the season. So this, this, this is going to be great coming down the stretch. And, uh, you know, every week we're going to check in on this, you know, uh, here on One Mic. You know, One Mic in the show, we usually go deep on the topic. But we do have these segments where we like to check in and be consistent all the way through. We do that with the NFL. Uh, we do that uh, uh, with some of these issues around it where we'll check in on some, um, you know, when they're not our main topic, we check in. In college football, given that uh, these rankings are going to change every week, we, we definitely going to check in uh, with that. As we move to the to, to what we call the main meal here on One Mike, the show that we go deep. You know, if you want to uh, listen to some of our other shows like the – the, the big show we have with myself, Marcus, and, uh, 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 and Phil, uh, you know, that's kind of like the, the seminar in a barbershop. It's kind of like the faculty seminar in a barbershop. You never know what's going to happen with it. We got inside the park that Hank does. He leaves on his own, focused on baseball. It's giving baseball a different flavor. You know, it's not just about the analytics. It's about the soul of the game, and Hank brings that back. Uh, then we have our show, Hustle and Flow where it's the intersection. We call that a specialty podcast between hip-hop and, and sports. Uh, uh, Marcus the Game Changer does that with Say Cool. Say Cool, uh, at the beginning of the year, we'll be coming out with his, his list of top, uh, top hip-hop albums of the year, and he'll reflect on those. And he usually puts a sports spin to it. It's, it's a great thing. You can go to realsportsguys.com uh, and, and see his list uh, that he developed uh, for last year. Um, and so this is one mic, and we're going to get into our topics, and we're going to bring a little bit of flavor of our big show to one mic. Uh, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you know we've done what we call five on the on the black hand side. And so with this topic, as we as we get into um, uh, the cipher portion of one mic, uh, we're going to do five on the on, on the black hand side uh, to start it out a little bit like this. Five, uh, five, uh, uh, on the black hand side. So for those of you who don't know, five on the black hand side, we have five questions that kind of guide us through our topic uh, uh, of the night. Uh, and so I'm going to have Hank, uh, who, who was the man who we went back and forth, who really hit this, and he, he brought this to the table. I thought, wow, double standard, right? Double standard, and it's going to be kind of unique how we're going to set this conversation up. But it's double standard. It's all surrounding two major sports in the city of Houston. And so we'll let Hank set the table. Hank, set the table for us. Okay, thank you. So, you know, I know you've all probably heard about it right now, uh, the situation that happened with the Houston Texans owner Bob McNair, uh, in which, uh, you know, the whole this whole 
thing that's over the NFL this year about players kneeling at the national anthem. And I get the players meeting uh, sometime last week. Uh, Bob McNair made the made the statement, you know, the very incorrect statement that we can't have. Uh, what he said, we can't have the inmates, you know, running the prison. Okay, to that extent, and the players heard about it. Okay, and as as you all know, there is an old an old uh, uh, saying that said we can't have the inmates running the asylum. But he said he said the prison. Okay. And so what so what so what he was saying and what the players took that to be is that, you know, they're prisoners, okay, or that if you listen to some of the players reaction to his to 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 his statement is oh so now we're prisoners now. Okay, so but McNair came out immediately and he apologized. He said he didn't mean it the way it came out. He said he was using an old figure of speech. He went out and he uh, he he apologized vehemently to his team and every, to, to the team and everybody to the players, and the players still went on out and they protested. And this last week, they all at the game against Seattle, everybody on the Houston uh, Texas side, you know, knelt for the for the the players' colors knelt for the national anthem. Okay, and we know that this has been just going on and on and on throughout the season in the NFL. There's another black eye uh, on the NFL now. So just to set that up right there, so that was the story going into uh, yesterday for the NFL. Now, as I was watching Game 3 of the World Series, in Game 3 we had uh, the Astros against the Dodgers, and we had uh, uh, Lance McCullers against Hugh Darvish. As the players were getting ready and, and doing what they're doing, the camera flashes to the Houston Astros, dugout, and the Houston uh, player, a first baseman, Yuli uh, Gurriel, makes a racial gesture against Yu Darvish. Yu Darvish being uh, of Japanese descent pitching for the uh, Dodgers. And he basically put his fingers on the corner of his eyes and pulled them up. Okay, You can see that on YouTube. Uh, a, a very offensive gesture toward Yu Darvish. And it kind of came and went, if you will. Now, to baseball's credit and to uh, the baseball commissioner's credit, Rob Manfred, uh, they suspended Guriel for that for that gesture five games beginning next year, uh, the beginning of next year. Now, as I stated in the Inside the Park segment uh, the podcast, I said I agree with that because I don't feel like any team should get an unfair advantage because of suspensions. Uh, I think they should play them out and do what they need to do unless they do something that's just so heinous on the field that, you know, they become a detriment to the game. But but that being said, there was not as much outrage with what what, what Guriel did versus what the, uh, the the owner of the uh Texans did. The owner of the the owner of the Texans though openly apologized for his actions. You heard people in the Houston Astros organization say that they were disappointed in Guriel. But Guriel, you know, I, I've been looking for one, and I may have missed him, but did not see an open apology for his action, which was seen on the greatest stage for baseball, which is the World Series, okay? If nobody watches baseball all, ser- all season, they're going to watch the World Series, and they see this. So I asked, you know, as we started to talk about this, and, D, I'm bringing you in now, is like, what is this double standard? Is it okay now for the players to clown 
with each other or this sort of thing and not uh, and not uh, have to apologize. But we want to say, and, I, and, it, and it, it's, a, it's a different opi- uh, opinion for me. It's a different approach for me because in Bob McNair's case, he immediately apologized. He immediately said that, that he didn't mean what he said, and we can take that and do what we want with it all day long. In Gary L's case, you know, his gesture was, was, was out there. Everybody knew what he was doing, okay? And while baseball itself and while the Astros themselves were appalled by his actions, he wasn't like, oh, I, I, I didn't mean it. I was just playing. He didn't say anything. It was like as if as though the organization and baseball took control. So I was wondering, is there a double standard there? I mean, uh, you're on the larger stage. We're not talking about, in, in, in football, we're not talking about game eight of a 16-game season. Okay, we're talking about the World Series where somebody, you know, the local fans are going to watch Seattle against Houston, but the world is watching the World Series. D, your take. Yeah, so, I mean, that runs right into our first question of the uh, five on the black-hand side. And you basically asked the first question is, you know, is there a fund- fundamental difference between the two incidents? And and I try to think about this. I, I think, so let me, let's start with uh, Bob McNair um, and why uh, – there could be a difference here. Um, Bob McNair, we, we already got this um, national profile, which we got. Um, we got the president of the United States contributing to the conversation, stoking it up. Uh, we have uh, a historical uh, issue that's been developing between uh, the owners, the league, um, uh, and the players, in, in which, unlike the NBA, who, uh, when they had the Sterling incident, uh, the commissioner came out and said, you know, this is offensive to our business partners. So the, the, the players are in the NBA frame and seen as partners in building the brand. Um, and the, the NFL was clearly set up this, this dichotomy that is really about uh, ownership and labor, and, and, and in which you have a larger society, in some cases, reinforcing this owner-labor relationship, in which has been contentious all along. So he's kind of into a conversation that is about this type of thing. Like, it's about this. And even in that context, he is so arrogant in that context to still push it. And when you learn more about it, uh, Ryan Clark uh, was on um, uh, 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 on earlier. I think he was even on Stephen A's show. Um, uh, talking about who was a who was a player rep, and so he's been part of negotiations, been in spaces with Bob and Mary, and, and basically says all the players know that this guy is like this. He's this good old boy Southern guy with a lot of money, um, and has clearly got this. And uh, what he said, he said he didn't even racialize. He said he's got this clear position of there's people who own, and then there's people who work, who are laborers, and so. Um, so part of it's like, what's the sincerity of your of your apology when this is the core part of who you are, and now more people know about it. Um, in a context when you've just had uh, flooding in your city, you have these connections to issues around Katrina, and all these things as a business leader you got to be aware of, you still say it. Versus Gary L, who had an act that was might have been even a locker room kind of stuff that happened in the locker room between guys. He brought it to a space that became high in the sky 
um, of which I agree he probably should have much more of a public uh, apology. When he did something that Flair, he's getting suspended for it. But you are, you know, I, I think Bobby Nairn's case is in a power position. So I think from that situation, I think that what happened with McNair is a much bigger issue because his power position, his awareness of coming into a position wide open, knowing exactly why he was in there. And, you know, in this, in this uh, world of which uh, uh, you don't have to really care about your privilege, he aired his privilege anyway. And he's like, and that's how they negotiate, do something about it. And we got, we got a strong arm over y'all, and y'all going to do it the right way to do it. He's in the Jerry Jones school of thinking. But Jerry Jones felt like he just tell the players what they're going to do and dare them to do it. That's how they got. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a coincidence that the two people who have been the loudest about this are both from Texas. Audio, good old guys who can sit down and hang out with you outside of it. When it kind of money, we in charge. And I think that's a little bit more serious because I think it reflects a lot more systemic stuff Whereas you could probably argue that Yuri, uh, probably there's, there's a context of culturally understanding these are things he would do. He's coming from Cuba. He's coming to this space. He might have some ways he's joking. Now he's culturally understanding this stuff ain't even appropriate. Uh, and so that's where I see might be a little bit different in it, uh, in the two situations uh, that uh, may not have created uh, this kind of uh, difference. And plus, I think. These are both players of which people say they have the same type of power conditions. It's one player and the other, and next time around, he might throw at him. <laughs> you know, so there is an po- opportunity for retaliation <laughs> that he does have, that, that if you want, to, you want to do it next time you see him on the mound, he might get a, he might get a, a, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball coming right at his chin. There is an opportunity for retribution, <laughs> whereas there is not an opportunity for retribution in the dynamic of Bob McNair. Okay, so let me throw this one at you then. Because when I look at how quickly baseball re- re- reacted to that, first of all, they didn't want their product their, and their and their championship series to be stained uh, by this incident. And so they immediately got on it, okay? And it was led quickly by the uh, Major League Baseball commissioner, okay? We have not seen that really from Roger Goodell in the NFL. Yes. Yes. But I also want to yes. add to that. I, would, I, want to, I, want to, I don't want to get past that point. And I told you this, Rob Manford is quietly becoming – you and I talked about this. You know, I have been in baseball, but I think because of what you've been doing with Inside the Park, you really brought some just some more attention to it for me. But he's quietly doing things that is making him rise up the kind of the, uh, commissioner rankings. For me, right. that I don't think people who are really who not play the page baseball that if you get if you hear this guy speaking up, he gets it. and he's dealing with some of the most some old school cats too. But I think he's right. managing that old schoolness differently than Goodell. I think he I think Goodell can learn something from him, given that he's navigating some of the same issues. I think football navigate in terms of the type of uh, fan base. Um, and the ownership groups that own in that space, uh, but I think he did handle that in a way that not, kept it a, mo- a molehill and did not let it become a mouth. So I, right. I, I didn't want to underscore your point. Yeah, absolutely. Because see, one thing, and, and, and I want to make it very clear with baseball, there is more stodginess in baseball than there is in the NFL. Okay, the average fan base 
the, the average age of, of the baseball fan is much older than it is for football, basketball, or the other or the other sports. So the fact that he moved on that as quickly as he did, and the reason why I like what he did and how quickly he did it and how he nipped that in the bud was because when I look at the fact of the, the history of baseball, okay, uh, when I, I, the first thing I thought about was Jackie Robinson and what he went through, you know, with, with, with the racism on the field. Okay, and so even though with with, with Guriel he might have thought it might have been some little innocent play acting stuff, and we we, we don't we know we we play sports. We know the folks, the guys say and do stuff behind the scenes that you know just a, that can be somewhat unsavory. A lot of things, a lot worse than what we caught Guriel doing on 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 camera. But that being said, it wasn't tolerated. Okay, it it was handled, it was managed because. You have a very diverse group, probably, I won't say probably, more diverse in baseball than you have in football. You do have Japanese uh, players. You do have Cuban players. You do have players from the Dominican Republic. You do have black players. You do have white players. And they have to figure out a way of doing all of that. And the thing is, is that uh, I, I applaud baseball for getting on top of that quickly. The thing is that I, the reason why, and, and again, you got managers, you got ownership groups in baseball that's owned those teams for, for for centuries, some of them, okay. And yet here we are in 2017, and they managed it. And yet when you look over and on the football side, they're still saying things that are just absolutely positively abrasive, absolutely abrasive. But I, but again, just when I think about this, D, it's just that they got on that. But the question that I have for you is, uh, if a player had did what uh, Guriel did in the NFL and it was on camera versus a owner saying what McNair did in baseball, uh, hypothetically, you just played a hypothetical game here, how would that be? From what we've seen, how how do you think that would have been handled? You know, I think it probably wouldn't have been handled as well as baseball handled it, to tell you the truth. Um, I think that um, – I think baseball would have tried to jump on it wrong, but I think they would have tripped up many more steps uh, than – and the thing about let's get real. You know, baseball, in fact, is a much more global game, as you pointed out, than football is. You know, we think the regionalists of baseball here in the United States in terms of the marketing and things like that. But, you know, you look at that baseball World Series or whatever, that World Games or whatever they do, I mean, the energy right. around it. And so I think he understands the globalness of the game, and particularly uh, in the Asian market is a really, you know, you had the two <laughs> two growing markets in baseball clashing in that scene, <laughs> you know, with him, you know, with Euro being from Cuba and, you know, with you being – uh, 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 you know, from Japan. So you, you think about emerging markets too. But I think um, they they handle it. But I think in football there's been a much more trips trip ups, <laughs> which we've seen. Um, and I think that uh, because of the nature of football uh, and some of these other elements about it, it was just been much more a hot fire because you're not moving from one game to the next. You got a week of. I think the name the, the name of the game. Let's say it happened in a game. Now you got a, a week of questions happening. Whereas you're already back into another baseball game that was as thrilling, you moved it to the back page quickly. And so I even think right. the nature of the game, the fact that you you had a game coming up, whereas football would have been art for too many more mistakes to happen between one game and the other. Let's say it would have happened between two playoff games. 
um, you know, uh, then I think that would have been part of what it would stoke the fire because no one had anything else to talk about. So I think the nature right. of that, but I just think that football just hasn't demonstrated ability to handle anything right from a leadership standpoint. Um, I think they're trying to get their hands around this, but they've tripped over a lot of topics like this uh, in a way that baseball just, frankly, has figured out how to do it real quick, probably from watching football, and the fact that you just, you're moving right to another game. I, I, I agree with that, but I think that still, that could have been a major dish, a deal because of the yeah. stage on which it was done. And that's where I, I, yeah. I applaud baseball did and how quickly it did. They, they did what they tell you to do. They said, you don't never let a one-day story become a two-day story. They nipped that in the bud. They saw that that, that, that could have been a potential problem, and they uh, addressed it quickly. And, you know, because there's folks that, that kind of caught wind of that story and said, well, why not suspend him now? Well, I promise you that if Yuli Gurriel had been suspended for the World Series, Houston is now down uh, three games to, 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 to two, Okay. Because he has had a phenomenal World Series for y'all watching it. You know, that game last night was epic. And if he's not playing, Houston doesn't win that game. But that being said, you know, they addressed it. And, and, and I like the fact that the Astros organization addressed it and baseball addressed it. And they were on in lockstep, you know. And that's the ownership group as well, which kind of gets us back to what we're talking about is that uh, – the the, the the owners, you know, it's Bob McNair. You're going to go and say something that could become public when you have almost a toxic situation going on in the NFL. And what you did is you just perpetuated that issue to where you may have had a handful of players, uh, whatever that handful is, depending on the size of your hands, who's, who's kneeling. Now you've got your team unified against you, okay, unified against you versus what went here with with uh, Guriel, where uh, there was no unification against this young man, but he was disciplined swiftly. Uh, he was made aware of his of of his of his error, and they moved on from it. From it, and now they're still playing baseball. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me, but I thought about that, you know, because I, I was like five games that year. But but if they would have suspended him one game, I think that would have been more of an impact statement. So they would have spent a whole entire series, but they would have spent him one game in this series. Yeah, it would have cost them, but I think it could have sent a real message versus five games uh, in the beginning of a season where no one's really going to be paying any attention. So even though every game matters, right, those five games at the beginning of the season, you know, next May or whatever, April, is, is not going to be as much as maybe one game suspension would have been here. You know what? I, I, I hear that, but I watched that changed the narrative of a championship game uh, series uh, a couple of years ago. And I just don't buy that. I just don't buy you give another team at that level, at this level, okay, when you're playing for all the marbles. And I get what you're saying. But, see, the play yeah, on the yeah, field. Because he should have known that because by doing that gesture, he should have known that this is serious and none of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like that still okay. – is is about the game is a game, and it's one game, and it matters in a close series. And so you should be understanding how you're behaving, and it's gonna cost you one game. Because I don't think it's a five game suspendable thing. I'll tell you the truth, I think it's a one game suspendable thing. I don't think it's five. And so one game now, 
Like NBA, if you did something like that, you suspended in the playoffs. It, it, you have to five, seven games there, but you suspended for that game. Yeah. In the playoffs. We ain't going to wait for that to suspend you. <laughs> in the playoffs, for the same type of series, you suspended. So I would say one game. I would rather see them do one game now because I think it's a one-game suspension. I don't think it's five games. I, to be truthful. I don't think it's mm-hmm. worth the five. I, think, I don't think it's – I think you learn your lesson in one game. I think one game now is a big game, but let people know, be on your P's and Q's. I, that's kind of where I'm at, but because I think the NBA is comparable to that, and he would have been suspended now in the playoffs for that game if it was the NBA. Yeah, I know it. It would have killed the team. So, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, yeah, and, and that's what you think about. Boy, I mean, I get that's a topic in and of itself because when you start suspending <laughs> in the playoffs, I mean that that that's a topic in and of itself for me. Um, that 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 punishment has to fit that crime. You ask yourself, okay, and I'm not trying, to, and, and believe me when I say this, I'm not trying to yep. you know uh, belittle anything. I think that it was heinous what he did because, again, in 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 the political climate that we're living in right now, we have to be mindful of what we're doing at all the time. You know, we just can't. You just can't do certain things because. Uh, everybody is, is, is uptight. There, there's so much divisiveness right now, so much polarization right now between peoples of, of, of colors and, and races. And You've got to just be mindful of what you're doing, okay? And if he was just being stupid, because that's what players do sometimes, they just do stupid stuff and he just got caught on camera, okay? And, 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 and such as it is, I mean, we, 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 we've caught players you know, scratching themselves on, on camera. They've got to hurry up and switch out. I get it, and I'm not trying to, you know, again, belittle it or devalue it. You know, it was, it was, it was a, 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 an offensive gesture, okay? But we've seen guys, you know, flip off fans and stuff. So my, 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 my thing is when you start talking about at that level, uh, they, they acted on it and they tried to act on it in a way that made sense, and then at the same token, was not going to hurt the Astros even more so. Because then you have to ask yourself too: Was it worth what? What? How? How is is it excessive punishment too? Because you suspend somebody in the playoffs, is that overly excessive? Does that punishment fit that crime? It's 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 it, to me, uh, it's it's. I'm not I'm not qualified enough to answer that question. I think I think one of the things that they gotta really be careful with this, and again, this is a, a young man who plays in 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 LA, um, definitely heritage, but you have a lot of history of people remembering internment camp, right? And so, you know, it, 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 that came out of a nationalist um, reaction um, around. Uh, what happened in Pearl Harbor and a whole bunch of things. So, you know, he this, he's playing in a city, and I wouldn't be surprised that you have you might have some uh, some protests when he goes back to L.A. with folks who remember that history, right? And so, I mean, it, it, as part of a, this kind of nationalist, you know, negative around immigrants kind of thing. So, I mean, don't be surprised if there's some type of reaction or protest, particularly um, in those Asian communities. Um, in, in Japanese communities, uh, uh, when the thing goes back in LA in a small way, given the history that I think the history a lot of us don't pay attention to 
around Japanese folks being uh, held in internment camps. So there's a little more right. sensitive aspect layer to this uh, that people got to be aware of that baseball still might not be out of that when the game goes back to L.A. But if he had done that in L.A. and with another game in L.A., it would have been a whole different kind of thing. They might have had to suspend in one game. So don't think you it's know what? over yet. So, that, that's going to be something interesting to watch uh, uh, tomorrow night when they when they start back up in L.A., especially, especially since, again, as I stated, how Guriel has been playing this this series. He, yeah. he was, he was phenomenal. So we're going to see – if there's any reaction to that when we when they get back to Los Angeles tomorrow night, I'm going to keep an eye on that and 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 see just based upon what we're talking about if there's any outcry, you know, from the from the Japanese community uh, on that and, and and how baseball handled that. That's going to be interesting to see. Well, you listen to RSG One Mike. Uh, we're talking about the double standard. What happened in Houston? Um, uh, uh, in the World Series in, in terms of the, the, the racial gesture um, uh, by Gary Al to uh, Hugh Darvish and then Bob McNair's remarks at the NFL uh, meeting, uh, which they were supposed to be getting together to talk about what's been happening uh, around social justice issues and how the NFL players have been uh, reacting to it. We're going to take a, just a short break here, uh, 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 and then we're going to come back and continue uh, with our uh, Five on the black hand side, and, 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 and maybe ask a few more questions related uh, to this topic. Uh, being led by our own uh, Hank Davis here on uh, 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 One Mic. Uh, and, and as we enter back in, uh, we're going to make a, our, 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 our annual uh, nod to our colleagues as we talk about this topic. <laughs> Uh, that's been going on, and and so uh, 
uh, we, we definitely um, uh, had a good time, and this has been a topic that our own uh, Hank Davis uh, uh, has been leading. And if you definitely, if you want to hear more about what's going on, um, uh, particularly in this area uh, uh, with this, uh, uh, you definitely listen to his inside uh, the part uh, where he goes into a little bit deeper. And uh, we're in the middle of uh, uh, our regular, uh, uh, of our, 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 our something, a segment that we usually do called uh, the uh, uh, Five on the Black Hand Side. And we've had a couple questions on there. But you, I, 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 given this, it's hard to do this topic without uh, paying homage to our brother, Game Changer. So I, I, just to fuel this a little bit more, I, I always like to play the Game Changer drop so that Hank and I can laugh. And so, it just goes for a little bit, but you, uh, game changes sets the context as we as we, uh, we 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 hit into our our questions to end this segment. But I I did want uh, game changer to enter this uh, with his his uh, opening remarks that he he said in terms of his response to to the NFL. Uh, we we do fantasy. We've been doing fantasy football probably for you know ten years maybe. Um, and this is the first year, man. You you hit me up with the usual email. I hit you back, said, dog, I'm out. I'm out. And Man. I just want to talk about this whole situation because there's a lot of angles. And, again, it's a situation that I've just grown tired of. Uh, I'm tired of hearing people trying to excuse the NFL. Uh, I'm hearing – I'm tired of hearing about, you know, why Kaepernick don't have a – the Kaepernick NFL situation has got me to a point where I'm just out on the NFL as an organization, as a, a league. Again, I love football. Um, and I, as I, I've said it, I, I said it in a Facebook post about two months ago. Uh, my football will be reserved to Friday Night Lights because um, I don't really do college football anyway. Um, and pro football was like my fix, fix. So I'll be just hitting up the, I'll be hitting up a bunch of high school games with my son and my daughters because uh, Sundays I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be doing that Maxine Waters, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. <laughs> Reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. I am reclaiming my time. <laughs> I'm gonna be on that Maxine Waters. <laughs> reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. And every time we have one of these incidents, I just think about that drop um, because you know when we talk about these two incidents. I think a lot of it has to do, do you think a lot of it has to do with just whatever erosion of credibility both these sports have or don't have with the public or whatever, right? I don't think the, I don't think the MLB at this point on these topics have had to even be in the limelight on this versus the NFL has kind of had to live in it in a way um, uh, that um, they just, on a number of things, just kind of put their – their, their foot in their mouth, but you know when you hear something like a game change, you hear like just people have just walked away uh, from the game, and you see some of the drops and some of the other things. Fundamentally, you you know see the situation uh, that you have. The one thing I want to think about this is like the city of Houston, you know, a city that's pretty diverse, diverse population, uh, been through a lot here lately. Um, um, you got you got an owner like this. You got this stuff. Um, um, kind of what what is what, what do you think? Uh, 
I, I know there's one to win a World Series. <laughs> That's another thing. So I think that kind of skews it. But, uh, you know, when I think about just some of the things that are going on, a city that's coming out of a flood and everything else, I mean, what's your, like, what do you think this does to a community like that that's kind of like mixed feelings, right? What does it mean to a population that's kind of just been dealing with all these social issues? You know, you know what, what is it like, you know, what, what do you think about the fans, right? Uh, with that, I, I've been thinking about that. I don't know if you've been giving any of that thought or for even matters, but I, I kind of think about like, like, what do the people think about when when they should gun as high? They got you know, you got this young quarterback who's coming in and doing everything. I know I said he was going to do. You know, you got you got that happening on the field, and then you got this great baseball team. Like, like the perspective of the population for a city that, particularly for African Americans, is like one. Of, it's been ranked consistently um, in. Um, you know, some of the top, uh, you know, black magazines, publications as a, a city, I mean, getting that feeling of that next Atlanta kind of feeling. You know, what, what do you think it does for that? You, you know what? That's why I thought this would be an interesting topic, because you make a valid point. Here's a city that just was just inundated just months ago, okay, by the Hurricane Harvey. Just, you know, it was like, pray for Houston. Houston was struggling with, with this massive flooding. Neither the, the Astros couldn't play at Minute Maid. You know, they had to play a lot of the games on the road. It could have absolutely uh, derailed their season, all right? And then you've got Deshaun Watson coming and as a phenom for the sports town, you know, uh, one of their own, J.J. Watt gets hurt, but, you know, there's there's just a lot of hope, right? And and there's just a lot of, you know, a, a community coming together. You know, when you've got a natural disaster like Hurricane Harvey, that's supposed to bring your community together, all right? And then you, you, you run into this owner. And, 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 and when you think about it just from their football perspective, just it, it just sounds so... So just disingenuous, so disheartening when you say stuff like, you know, we can't let the the inmates run the prison. What are you saying? What are you saying? And see, it gets you. I, I'm with you. I get sick of the narrative of the good old boy network and it's being okay. Okay, it hasn't been okay for decades. And so here's a here is a community that, by no fault of their own, have had the spotlight on them for so many different things. Okay. And then you've got this baseball team, which really should be the story. There really should be the story. And unfortunately, unfortunately, what Guriel did would have been a blip on the screen had it stood alone, especially the way baseball handled it. But given, again, where we are in this political climate we are in, in this very uh, divisive and polarizing, oh, you're, you're either with this or you are against that, uh, society that we live in, it's 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 it, it's a shame that at this time it's falling on the city of Houston. When again, we just talked about it briefly. We just had probably the most epic game in a World Series that was played last night ever seen. If you didn't see it, boy, you missed a treat. And if you can figure out a way to see it on YouTube or something, it's worth it's worth it's worth a watch. But to, to your question, what does this do for Houston? It, 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 it really does, it just really personifies what's going on in our society today. 
that even when we're supposed to be watching a community come together, we are still hit in the mouth and punched in the gut with this same mess all the time. And, you know, I was listening to that to that take by Game Changer, you know, the, the, the claiming my time, reclaiming my time. You know, I, it just let me just say this, that, uh, you know, just as we were going through this and talking about this, I just got a text that, you know, uh, here we go, Zeke Elliott has now been, had his six-game suspension reinstated. They don't even know how to discipline players who do things, who don't do things. They look like they are very disorganized, and they're causing a lot of issues. That's the NFL side. Unfortunately, or fortunately, it's falling on the city of Houston, all right, um, because they've got so much going on there. But the but the, had the owner just shut up, this situation would have probably been handled and we would have moved on. I, I think you're right. In, and I, but I think our final point on the, on the, on the uh, problem of black Panther side before we close, should he be fined? I mean, in, in the NBA, I mean, um, the number of, of – uh, speaking of taxes, the, 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 the number of times that our man Mark Cuban has been fined by the NBA office for things he said, why hasn't – I don't I hear the NFL didn't levy a fine on him. Like you let you level on these players, you know why? No, the, it, why is the commission in the NFL can't find the way that uh, I'm surely we've been able to been happening in NBA. NBA owners have been fined on and off all the time for remarks that they've said. Mark Cuban's gonna pay more checks than anybody I've known be fined, and he's like they don't even find them. No, no, and that's what I don't understand either. Because, but see, here's the thing, because Goodell is a puppet. He is not a commissioner. He's a puppet, okay? And because he is being puppeteered by all those owners in the NFL, there is this chaos, all right? His job, just like the job of Pete Rozelle before him and Tagliabue before that, was to try to make sure they could bridge the gaps the best way they could between the players and the owners or management or whatever you want to call them so that the product on the field does not suffer. Okay, right now the product on the field is suffering because of all of the BS that's going on offside the field. Now listen, there's there you you think about when the, when the NFL was birthed, okay? You think about the fact that this is a league that played through the civil rights era, okay? They played through Vietnam. They played through a lot of times when 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 there was this uh, uh, unrest in this country. All right, but it was managed better. All right, what, what what makes people think that in 2017, all of a sudden, that all these issues that we're facing today are brand new? They're not brand new. It's how you manage them. It's how you handle them. Okay, and the NFL and Roger Goodell, he's 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 in charge. Have done a piss poor job of it. Let's face it. You, you, every every time somebody come out and say something, I mean, it's not handled right. It's simply not handled right. And these and, and, and these players are corporations on their own right. They're not going to sit around there and take that. They wouldn't take it from anybody else. I'm certain they're going to take it, you know, from some some kaji guy sitting up in the in 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 the skybox saying what they want to say. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But there should be a little bit more sensitivity, especially if you're trying to run a business. All right, and that's what these are. These sports or corporations, they're business, they're corporations. And there should be a little bit more 
and on the NFL side, there should be a little bit more uh, control there, a little bit more uh, professionalism there, and it simply is, is not, and that's a shame. And, and and the league now is suffering, and guess what? The product on the field is suffering now too. Well, uh, thank you, man, for bringing this topic, um, you know, to uh, uh, to our table tonight. Uh, uh, you listen to RSG One Mike uh, with Hank and Devon, and um, it, it's really been a pleasure to get deep into this. And, and you can you can expect uh, these kinds of topics uh, for us. You know, as we close, you know, we we're talking about a lot of different things, and I, I've had a chance to go to a couple of homecomings these past couple of weekends. Um, you know, at uh, University of Wisconsin, uh, where I, I spend my daytime, and then uh, just recently this weekend at a small college, Lake College. You know, the place that produced uh, Casey Johnson, who writes for the Tribune, one of the great writers in uh, sports. And uh, you know, uh, what I love about Casey, you don't see him uh, another media other than writing. I had a chance to talk to him and um, Joe Davis, who. Uh, uh, is now the voice of the Dodgers came from this little uh, little college. Uh, another person that came from this college is a, a great coach. You 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 hear Dean Smith, you hear whatever, but you might not hear about Bill Matthews, the guy who was the deciding vote for the three point line in college basketball. He's probably one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history. He had a twenty year uh, streak of winning seasons uh, at Boyd College. His team, I remember witnessing as an undergraduate. Uh, beat uh, the Russian national team. Um, this is a guy who would get calls from Bobby Knight. Um, I remember uh, being at the uh, legendary game in Ann Arbor, Michigan, walking into Chrysler Arena next to David Robinson uh, as he was uh, 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 a broadcaster before he went into uh, NBA basketball. Going in, it was the night that Michigan was going to be playing a flying Illini led by Kendall Gill. Uh, walking in and Standing there watching practice, Glenn Rice and a lot of legendary players. And this coach walked over to us and um, was asking us questions and, and saw me wearing a Boy College uh, uh, shirt. And he said, do you know Bill Nathan? Uh, that coach who asked that question was Steve Fisher. Uh, after that game the next night where, where they were, got run off the court by the Illini uh, and Frieda, uh, Bill Frieda announcing that he was going to Arizona State, uh, uh, and Bo Schimbach, the legendary, said he's going to have a Michigan man coach a Michigan team, not an uh, Arizona State coach. Uh, and Fisher went on to win a national championship. That coach asked about a man named Bill Napton, uh, who was a legendary. And at 90, Bill Goffin, um, still living. Hey, coach, keep on doing it. Uh, we remember you here on The Real Sports Live. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.